Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Fourth Italian Football Podcast. I'm here, Connor Clancy, joined by only one person. And you and we're not so close anymore. Hello. How are you, Mr. Burns? Hello. I'm okay. I was caught off guard there by your three hellos. That was, it was aggressive, but I think it was okay. Well, usually I have three friends and I say hello once. Now I've got one friend, so I thought I'd say hello three mm. times. They've, they've left us. Does that I make up for enough. not having those two with us? Uh, yeah, I think so. Is it better that we don't have those two with us? I'll give, you th- I'll, I'll give you some options, right? <laughs> I'll give you some options. Is it better that we don't have them with us? Is it better that we don't have one of them with us? And if so, which one? That is the most horrendous thing you've ever asked me to say on the podcast. Very easy. It, it's, it, it's, it's better without it's Kev, isn't it? None. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to be diplomatic and say... <laughs> Better to have neither of them than pick one, but yes, you're right because um, we're both fully clothed. We are, yeah, um, and the I'm not rubbing my microphone around on my chest. <laughs> yeah, yeah Vito is always clothed to give him his credit. Although we only know from the waist up, to be fair. That's true. But you and we're here. Do you miss me? Because you're still in in Puglia, and I'm very much not. Um. Oh no. <laughs> no, I, I miss having company. It's always nice to see people. I mean, I'm not on my own, but, you know, other people as well. <laughs> you and she can hear you. She's looking at you now, isn't she? No, she can't, actually. She's got her earphones in. <laughs> okay. Fair to the world. Right. You're lucky. You're very, very lucky. But coming into the last few days, it was a nice time we had in Puglia together. I liked doing the preview pod together. It was quite nice. Yeah. So, patrons, I'm sure you will have enjoyed it as well, but non-patrons... You missed a, a good week on Patreon last week because you and I were, were reunited in Monopoly and we did our preview pod from a bar called The King in Monopoly. Mm. We had a nice spread. We got a some food, some we beers. We had a very different visit to the following day. We won't talk about <laughs> the subsequent visit because I don't know if employers of mine are going to listen to this and realize what happened. Yeah, yeah. Um, it sound like the bar have done something wrong. They haven't actually. No, 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 no bad rep to the king. That's well, no, mad, sort, given this current week. Sort your internet out, please. Oh, well, yeah, I suppose that's true, yeah. <laughs> they but, very much did yeah, get in like the way of our day. Or <laughs> well, one of, the, one of them was... <laughs> One of them was bad to oh, me. Yeah, you got it. Yeah, but that was a blessing in disguise because if we'd ordered food, it was it was curtains. Yes, but that doesn't mean she wasn't rude. <laughs> no, she just she just knew what was happening. The, the previous day, the staff were fantastic to us actually mm. because they not only turned down the music a bit while we were doing the podcast, but when they came through a couple of times, they were speaking, which obviously was not a problem. 
But there was one of them who kept telling the others to shut up because we were doing a podcast, which I thought was amazing. I had and we never that told them. I had my back to the room, really. Um, it was but... the one who brought us the food. And when she came to bring the food, she was like apologizing. And we thought, I, I felt like saying, well, we ordered it. <laughs> Don't apologize. Yeah. And also, like this, this isn't a place where podcasts are meant to happen. We're, yeah. <laughs> we're kind of imposing ourselves a bit on the room. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, but nice. if you are interested, listeners, it's patreon.com slash total Italian football. There's two, five, and ten euro tiers available. And if we do say our so ourselves, there's a lot of content going up over there that makes it very worthwhile. You and we're recording a Serie Femminile, a women's football podcast this evening as well, which will go out this week um, for patrons only. And as it's an international break. As is the custom, we don't actually disappear, but the content that's available for free very much does. So it's patreon.com slash total Italian football if you want to have your Italian football fix and then some. But we are here to talk about the latest round of Serie A. It's match day seven and oh my God, what a match day it was. First time since February 1955 that Juve, Milan, Inter and Roma all lost on the same day. And that is because the results were as follows. Lecce won 2-1 at Salernitana on Friday. Saturday saw Empoli win at Bologna. Spezia beat Sampdoria 2-1. And Sassuolo won in the last minute away at Torino. But all of the fun happened on Sunday. Udinese beat Inter 3-1 despite Nicolo Barella putting Inter 1-0 up very early on. Fiorentina beat Verona 2-0. Monza beat Juventus 1-0. You and I told you on the preview pod that Juventus were going to drop points here. You didn't believe me. Nobody believed me. But Monza won. I was so, I'm not going to say pleased when I saw that result, but (laughs) I felt a little bit smug. Lazio beat Cremonese 4-0. Atalanta beat Roma 1-0 at the Olimpico. They've still not conceded a goal away from home this season. And they're top of the league alongside Napoli going into the international break because Napoli won 2-1 away at Milan. What a weekend this was. Before we started, no, before we start, what's your highlight of the weekend? I mean, moments, not result. Moment. Um, Even though I don't like that it happened, I think Scalvini scoring a goal of that nature and being of the age that he is, is quite a nice thing. I think I'll have to go with that. He's a centre-back. Hmm. I liked Silly, him whenever I watched him last season. I, got, I, I thought he just looked very assured for and, and, and sort of, I don't know, modern, <laughs> which is kind yeah. of shown by that goal. He's excellent. I love him to bits. Fun fact, his only ever professional goal came at the... came in Bergamo in a game that I was at, so... That was fun. But then it was a, a nothing goal that didn't change the result, unfortunately. Um, so it's nice for him to get a big one like this. But Ewan, I don't really know where to start this weekend because there's any other weekend, there's four really obvious starting places. This weekend, they've all happened at the same time. So <laughs> let's start with the the fun one in Juventus lost to Monza. But it's not fun because it was Monza that won it. I wish they lost the Cremonese. It would have been far more fun. 
Although I don't like Cremonese at the moment. Got a little bit of beef with them, but that's not anything serious. <laughs> but maybe it will become serious. Um, what? How has this happened? Monza are rubbish. They were pointless until a week ago. And they've beaten Juventus 1-0. Yeah, so obviously we talked about this on the preview at some length and I very confidently stated that it would be Juve who win 1-0. Um, and you obviously said that Monza will win. The caveat here is that Di Maria elbowed somebody in the chest and got sent off in the first half, which was I... not meant to happen. <laughs> no, but before, before that happened... What normally happens. That, but Ewan, that didn't change the game. The game continued with Juventus not wanting the ball and playing as though they were a Serie A cheese side against Monza. <laughs> um, well, I'm trying to think of ways that I think what we have to say for Monza. Obviously, we've battered Monza nonstop, so and we are to... not going to stop just because of this result. No, it, in a general sense, no, we won't. Um, but I'm trying to think of a way in which this can be construed as good, and I think the way it can be is. Fans of Monza who have been there long before Berlusconi arrived, things like that, for their first ever Serie A win to be at home against Juve, that's really cool. That is very, very cool. And that, you know, that is doing a little bit of mental gymnastics for people, um, those people in particular. But well done to them. That must be very lovely, especially you've been going to, going to the ground all the years and stuff, and then you get to see that. It's a bit cheapened by the fact that I just know that most of them are probably Juventus fans anyway. Even the ones that are Monza fans, they probably <laughs> still like Juventus. But I take your point. Congratulations to Monza. It is a really big result. Um, But the story here, and I, I feel a little bit bad doing this, it's Juve. Like, you said that Di Maria gets sent off. I might be the only person in the world who thinks that it wasn't a straight red card. It wasn't like... It, it wasn't an elbow. It wasn't the um, usual elbow that you think of. The the monster, but I can't remember who it was now, was getting in his back, and he just like put his arm in that way as if he were like, get away, in the way that players always do shielding the ball. I I just thought it, it was too obvious a angry reaction. It wasn't like... Mm. It wasn't part of trying to shield the ball it, it, they were shielding the ball and then there was get off me like I, I want to hurt you now sort of thing Cause I think you could tell by the way that he walked off where the red card got shown and he was sort of giving it the standard protests but he very quickly was just walking off head down and I think that was the I really fucked up there that was the mm. I, I lashed out there and I shouldn't have done so because I mean he's a very experienced guy and I mean I, I, what did he say after the game he, he basically took full um, full blame for the entire defeat publicly, which, you know, whether you believe him or not, I think I do believe him, to be honest. I, I do. I just don't think it's the case, but it certainly was a contributing factor. For sure, it was. But, uh, it, 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 like, I'm just looking at it, and every time I look at it, it gets funnier, right? Because <laughs> it is it is funny. Juventus fans, I am sorry. This is funny. And I do feel sorry for... Now, do you know what? I actually don't. If it was any other <laughs> club, I would feel sorry. But I, I have no sympathy for Juventus fans in any situation. Because why do you support that club? But, like, what are Juventus supposed to be at the moment? 
because they are stinking. Like, there is nothing redeeming about that team. They play football. No, they don't play football. They just go out on a pitch and hope that they can bore their opponents to death and then pounce when they're asleep. It's ridiculous stuff. Yeah, and, you know, it, it does feel like it's, after the Benfica result and then this, it does feel like it's come to a head somewhat this week. But then all the noises seem to suggest that nothing is going to happen in, imminently in relation to Allegri or getting the sack or anything like that. There's, there seems to be a lot of various reports from a lot of people suggesting that it will be a post-World Cup situation, basically. Mm. If they're still doing this by the World Cup, then something's <laughs> going to change. Um, which well, I think at this point, that sort of just feels like a bit of a cop-out. It almost feels like there is this natural stoppage coming up, so we, we're just going to let it rot until then because we're scared to basically pull the trigger on the guy we brought back. Agnelli doesn't sack people mid-season either. I'm pretty sure mm. I'm right in saying that he's never done that. I am I think when people were talking about Pirlo having a few problems in his... Well, he was only there one season, wasn't he? During his, his season, I, I think people were saying that Agnelli's never done that and he, he stuck with Pirlo until the end of that season and he turned it around. But it's just... It does have the feel that something is really rotten there at the moment. Like, yeah. the is, it's surely, a disaster. Surely he's... I mean, I feel like they're in a situation now where, given the quality of some of the players individually, like he's got to he's got to change that philosophy because can they do this again? Like, can they scrape top four or even worse, not get it, and also do nothing in the Champions League again, just in the name <laughs> of not wanting to sack someone mid-season? Because you know, what if in the what if in the summer Bayern turn around and go? Do you know what? Our little experiment of not directly replacing Lewandowski is not working. We'll have Blavich. Is he going to say no to that? No, he's not. He, he would take that move because he's going to think, do you know what? There's nothing going on here. You know, if, if an ambitious club would have chucked the guy, you won't let me do many goals when I know I'm capable of more goals. Um, and there are other players, you know, Chiesa, um, other good ones are now escaping me. If there are any, let us know. <laughs> Specifically, those two. They're the two I like, basically. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, Di Maria is an obvious one. Well, I more mean sort of these these players that are are slash should yeah sort of up and coming slash arrived worth a lot of money kind of thing on their day. Some of the best in the world, sort of thing. Obviously, Di Maria is a slightly different profile. Um, but, you know, even Moretti in midfield is very good. He, you know, all these players can have their heads turned and. I think they just risk, like you say, letting it all rot to the core, basically. Let's stop. <laughs> Milan 2. No, Milan 1, Napoli 2. This was fun. Maybe not as much fun as we hoped it was going to be, but I think it was still quite fun. Second half was definitely better, and that's where the goals came. Matteo Politano put Napoli 1-0 up from the penalty spot. After 55 minutes, Olivier Giroud leveled after 69. And then Giovanni Simeone won it for the Parthenope after 78. Now, we've got to look at this and ask some questions of Stefano Pioli's decision-making because he did a thing that I hate. And I've definitely spoken about this on this podcast before, which is that Davide Calabria and Simon Cahier were doing an excellent job on Faraselia in the first half. Both ended up booked 
before halftime. But they were doing a great job. And probably took both off for Sardinio Dest, who has barely kicked the ball since joining. I think, I can't remember, it was the Derby or the Champions League game. I'm assuming it was the Champions League game. He came on and that was his debut um, for Milan. And Kaya came off for Kalulu. Now, everybody knows, I I said it last week, how how much I love Kalulu, maybe on the preview pod. Um, But I don't get why they made those changes. They They were keeping out the the most dangerous forward in, in Serie A at the moment. It was scoreless. And then it all went to pot. They gave away a penalty. Dest gave away the penalty, looking a little bit off the pace. And Napoli won 2-1. It's, it's a very odd situation to make two defensive changes, isn't it? And, and, and <laughs> when, that, when you've kept a clean sheet to that point as well. Yeah, like nil-nil in a big game and I'm going to hook half the defence. Um you know, without injuries being at play, as far as we know, um, I, uh, and that that sort of odd decision making isn't something I necessarily associate with Pioli either. Um, the, the only maybe slight thing I can think in favour of him in the sense is that if I were a Milan fan, I'd rather I had a coach who tries to affect a game with those sorts of decisions rather than. Maybe the Simone and Zaghi approach, which is often to just leave it alone and hope that something's going to change without you doing it. <laughs> My problem with this, though, isn't that it's not. Firstly, it's basically saying you don't trust your players to take them off just because they've been booked. Simon Kaya has done everything. Just let him do his job. Calabria has been excellent. Trust him to do his job again. Uh, but it, it wasn't like a, a proactive thing. They were decisions that were made out of fear. There was a fear that something could go wrong, so I'll take those players off. And I just don't think that's a way of going about things. Now, I'm I'm not going to criticise Pioli too much, but he's won Milan the title from nowhere. <laughs> but I just think th- this loss does ultimately come down to those changes, unfortunately. But we've got to talk about Napoli. Matteo Politano, not a good penalty, but it went in. He beat Mignan, the best penalty saver around. But then Giovanni Simeone getting the winner. I couldn't be happier for him. Like, he's he's had his chances. You know, when he got that move to Fiorentina from Genoa, wasn't it? It looked like that was going to be his his step up. And then with Chiesa, Fiorentina had a couple of exciting players at the time. We thought maybe this Fiorentina team can get into Europe. It didn't really work out for him after a good start there. And he ended up moving again at Cagliari. I don't think he did anything. He went to Verona, refound his form, and then he got this move to Napoli. And I did think this is his last chance to, to get that big club. And then he scored in the Champions League against Liverpool. And now he scored a, a winning goal away to the champions. It's great to see him just carrying that Verona form over to Napoli. Yeah, it, it may well just be a patch, but it's looking like a very astute piece of business. In the sense, what you're signing at me? You're just being Kev, be like bringing me back down. I love Giovanni Simeone. Let me enjoy him. No, but basically, what I mean is that I think it looks like a really, really clever bit of business because um, he's a patchy player. Come on, <laughs> he's no. always been a patchy player. No, he's not. <laughs> um, but obviously, Victor Osman is by far and away a better striker than him, and will patchy. always be the starting striker when he's fit. Um, but he's not always fit. There are there are fitness issues around Victor Osimhen, 
and they've you know he was the backup last season it was Patania who I know has his merits but he's not an effective yeah. backup for Victor Osimhen. Um and then you also chuck into the mix that they put Raspadori in there who isn't a direct centre forward but he can operate in a in a way that can replace Osimhen if needed and I just think they are the, the fact that Simeone's got this couple of goals already and he seems to have settled down quickly is a deeply valuable thing. I don't, I don't think they could afford for him to take his time, and he hasn't. Well, he's patchy, so he'll probably... These are his goals for the first half of the season now, so he'll spend the next <laughs> three done. months... That's me done, folks. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, but Napoli are now top of Serie A heading into the international break. Top with a little asterisk because they are top alongside... Atalanta both on 17 points. Atalanta are there because they beat Roma 1-0 at the Olimpico. And again, this is something we spoke about on the preview pod. But this is just confirmation that Atalanta have completed the transformation. They are now the anti-Atalanta. Because in the past, they used to just score goals and concede them for fun. Now they just win games 1-0. What? What's happened here? Gasparini's working a miracle in another way. Dare I say they're the good version of Juve now? But that make you slam your <laughs> laptop screen down. Because <laughs> that's where Gasper and his trade. Yeah, let's face it; they're not not a lot of fun to watch right now. But you know, they're winning games, so they're not going to care less. Um, I think it's it's a tremendous achievement that after the way they went into you know which which perhaps was you know partly by us as well, perhaps bigged up too much um, based on what has happened afterwards. But things didn't look like they should be on 17 points and level at the top mm. going going into the international break. But can I read out a couple are, of stats? You can. Roma had 21 shots. They yeah, had five well. shots on target. Atalanta had four shots and one of them was on target. Oh, that's beautiful. I love it. I mm. love it. <laughs> it's, it's the, it's, one it's shot the on t- target. It's the Timmy Abraham chance is the one that just, like, I can't fathom how a goal did not occur there. Like, there's no way in which there should not have been a goal there. Um, and there was Are just... you going to call him Timmy <laughs> the whole time? Even though, isn't I, his brother called Timmy? <laughs> I don't know what his brother's called. I, I don't think know if he had his one brother or not. is called Timmy Abraham. <laughs> Oh, get him involved. Yeah, his, is he a footballer? His brother is Timmy Abraham. Yeah, he is. Did you oh, know this? Timmy That's and Tammy Abraham. <laughs> he plays for Watford. Oh, good for him. Well, I've got a new favourite player. <laughs> anyway, sorry. <laughs> wow, he's got a superb name. I've just found his full name. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? Do you want to say it? Yeah. No, because I think it could be considered rude because I don't know where to start. <laughs> okay. It starts with Jason. When I first I, I saw that Abraham chance, maybe. I thought he had made a complete mess of it because it looked like he he knocked it under. It was sport yellow at this point, wasn't it? Um, and it looked like he could have tapped it in, but he was waiting for it to roll in. And he was kind of just running behind it. But then there is an angle where you see, oh no, he actually just couldn't catch up with it um, as it went wide. But yeah, that was a huge, huge chance. But Roma had plenty. Mm. And... You know, that's kind of becoming a bit of a catchphrase this season of, oh, you know, it could be worse. They created loads. Um, you can only dine out on that for so long. It comes a point with these games against other teams towards the top of the table where 
that's not enough anymore. And you've got to you've got to start scoring the goals to go with all that creation. Um, obviously, they lost Dybala in the warm up, didn't they? Which yeah, you know, maybe maybe that would have changed things if he was on the pitch because his his form is fantastic. You'd you'd think that somewhere in amongst all that creation, he probably would have scored a goal. Um, but you know, that's part of what you get with him is that you don't know when he might get an injury. Nicola Zaniola and Gianluca Mancini did two of the worst dives I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> yeah, well, that's going to happen. <laughs> the Mancini one was particularly enjoyable given his. Yeah, his defenders diving player. is always good, isn't it? But and he's he's it's, a pretend hard it. man. <laughs> they simply can't do it. No one no. can really in, in this modern age. No one can dive effectively because of VR. Um, mm. But you know, players like Daniello can do it in a way that looks like a forward's doing it. <laughs> it's like Mancini can't do that. I'm not sure that one where Ocoli holds the shorts and then he he runs about 25 yards and then goes down. That was remarkable. <laughs> like that was one of those where you saw it live and laughed because you just knew how badly he had misjudged it. He might have got a penalty if he had dived at the right time. Um, you could just see the thought process happening. Like, oh no, I've been fouled. I can't dive now. I can't dive now. I can't dive. Oh, oh I'm gone. It was just, it was bad. <laughs> really, really bad. Mourinho got sent off. He was running on the pitch. This was amazing. Amazing stuff. <laughs> I mean... Mourinho getting sent off, I I almost see it as being as good as a goal. It's just it's just tremendous <laughs> fun content. He should do it every week. I suppose he's not allowed do you to do think, it every week. That's part of the rules. Every other week. Do you think he's more willing to get sent off at Roma because he just sits beside the dugout? <laughs> just yeah, yawn. I, I also... said that's sorry. <laughs> it's it's, it's nearly I'm one in the morning. One. Come on, <laughs> it's nearly one in the morning, and we're alone because the other two, one's on holidays, and Vito, to be fair, is probably working. Well, it's it's quarter past twelve. I'd say nearly one is post half twelve. Is if we're going to get panicky, I don't know why. I thought that said. I thought that said zero zero thirty seven. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. You agree then? <laughs> I don't yeah. think you can call that nearly one. It's gone 12 and it's our second podcast of the day and we've, well, we've not both worked since this morning, but I have, so no. shut up. I've walked around quite a bit. <laughs> I travelled over 1,500 kilometres just to see you for a day. Yeah, well, your, your choice, man. <laughs> I cannot believe you said man at the end of that point. That was disgusting. Oh, Talk about the match man. or Mourinho, whatever you're um, talking about. Mourinho, uh, I think it's part of the theatre, especially at the Olympico as well. I think I think being sent <laughs> off, Roma coaches should get sent off at the Olympico. That's what you're meant to do. And then you stand upon high. No, you don't. He just sits beside the You should go higher. <laughs> <laughs> Why, how is that allowed, by the way? He just stands <laughs> and he's in the same fucking place as he is when he's <laughs> not sent off. He doesn't even need... A wire. <laughs> we've we've got to say, even as far as Mourinho sending off, sendings off go, this was great because he, he ran onto the pitch to have a go at the referee. Like th that's new even for him, isn't it? 
It can't be, surely. I, I struggle to believe anything is new for him. Surely he did that maybe in his Porto <laughs> days or something. You're not telling me maybe. that man's never run on the pitch to confront a ref before. But it doesn't happen often because when it happened, I immediately thought back to, do you remember the Champions League final in Lisbon, which was 2014? When mm. Atletico just lost their collective minds and, and Simeone was doing it and he was trying to fight Pepe. Like, that's what I thought of. And that's eight years ago. So for another high profile <laughs> one, and if Mourinho had done it, I, I think we would have spoken about it even when he was mm. in England. Got to say, he might listen. Glad Kev's not here this week because he'd be bringing us down, wouldn't he? Talking about Mourinho, he'd be, he'd be talking about, yeah, <laughs> as if it's a bad thing that Mourinho gets sent off. It's great behavior. We love it. It's top theater. We love it. It is top theater. You and Inter also lost, but we've got to frame this as Udinese beating another big team because they pumped Roma four nil. They've now beaten Inter three one. Udinese are in the Champions League places. They're third. They're the business. Yeah, it's it's really weird. Like, obviously, they've been like a lot more entertaining and stuff recently. Um, but I didn't think they'd consistently get the results to go with it. No, especially against good teams. Like, I, I think they are genuinely just a very solid team now. Obviously, we're not going to expect them to continue being in third for Asia, but. You know, you're at a point now where you assume they're going to finish in the top half, almost, unless it really went off a cliff. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to see how they would fall that dramatically. And I just, I didn't see this coming when they appointed Andreas Sotil, because he was at Ascoli before this, before that Pescara, Catania, Livorno, like, and now he's just gone into Udinese, and he is smashing it. They're like, what a job he's doing. And what's been notable is that the the attendances seem to be improved quite dramatically in in Friuli as well. This. No, I, I, don't know if I, I don't know if it was the attendance I noticed, but it just felt like the, the ground looked better. Yeah. Than, like, I don't know if the sun was just in the right place or something, but it's just all... I feel like every game... Uh, Udinese looks like the depths of winter all the time. <laughs> yeah. It, this is the first time I looked at it and thought, well, that looks, that looks like quite a pleasant place to be. Mm. No, I completely get it. They're not helped by those silly seats, are they? But mm. I did. I do just think there's a really good vibe around Udinese at the moment and the job Sotil's doing. We do have to put that asterisk again, though, because there are times when Udinese have this kind of form in previous seasons, but it's just never the first seven games. They'll often do it from January to March or from March to May. So this isn't something that we've never seen from them before, but because there weren't any games previously that they're top of the actual table and not just the form table is, is odd, not top, but towards the top, you take the point, is funny, but long may it continue. I'd love if Udinese were still beneath Atalanta and in the top four. Because that would mean <laughs> that Atalanta are doing very well. But I quite like the look of the top four. Lazio are there at the moment as well. Napoli, Atalanta, one and two. It's quite nice. It's quite pleasant. Inter, though. What? What's happening? Because they just, they're just not very good this season, Ewan. They've seven games played, lost three already. They've not drawn. They've only scored two more than they've conceded. It's not a fantastic time for them. It's really weird because part of me wants to equate it to 
Lukaku being out, but that's not it. Like, there's way more else going on on the pitch that would not be particularly affected by Lukaku being back in the team. It should be said that he wasn't particularly firing even when he was. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's just so many players who just seem to have lost ten percent. I don't know if I don't know if they've just stopped buying into what Inzaghi's doing in quite the same way as they were last season. I think maybe last season there was this feeling of we've been really hard done by in terms of Hakimi, Lukaku, Conte all leaving. You know, Inzaghi's come in, he's rejuvenated them, and it's us against the world sort of thing. We're gonna because sh- you know because they were so written off before the season started, and. Then obviously this season, many people had them as finishing top, and they had all in all a good summer. A lot of people came in, and they didn't lose anyone major either, apart from Perisic on a free. Um, I don't know if that mentality just doesn't seem to suit them right now. They they seem to just be wavering under any form of expectation. If I were an Inter fan, I would be begging and hoping and praying that. They just sack Inzaghi and get Tuchel in. Now, it's nothing to do with Inzaghi because I think he's a really good coach. And obviously, to sack him after seven games would be ridiculous. But Tuchel's available. Juve, Juve are a bit. So, pottering about. You just, to do like almost a Juve style move where they sign players so other clubs can't. Sack Inzaghi, get Tuchel so Juve can't. And Inter, if you hire Tuchel, you'll probably do well in Europe and you'll win Serie A again quite easily, I'd imagine. Do you think there's a chance that Inter could part ways with Inzaghi? Um, not any time immediately. I think it would take a few more weeks of poor results, really. Um, and I, I, I mean in the sense that poor results where they'll probably still get a win in there somewhere and a couple of draws and whatever, you know, they're not going to lose five in a row or anything daft like that. Um, I, I just think, I think they've invested a lot in him and who he wants and it's going to take quite a lot for them to pull the plug on it. I think even with Tuchel being around. Of the other results, we'll kind of just move through these. We are alone as a two tonight, you and we've, we are quite tired. Salernitana 1, Lecce 2, Bologna 0, Empoli 1, Spezia 2, Samp 1, Torino 0, Sassuolo 2, Fiorentina 2, Verona 0, Cremonese 0, Lazio 4. Anything there that you'd like to point towards? Anything you'd like to talk about from that bunch? Um, Hellas Verona are not having a very good time of things. I didn't this... have them down as doing that. Oh, I was going to say this is the least surprising poor start to the season that we've seen for a while. They lost their coach, Barak and Simeone. I think it was quite... Verona were get... going to be getting relegated before this season started in my books. Like, why are you surprised? Um, I think I think what I mean is that I had them down as being like... 15th, 16th. Like, I wasn't expecting to do anything special, mm. but I didn't have them down as looking like genuinely one of the worst teams in, in the league. And there are some bad ones. You know, them, Samp as well, obviously. Um, they just seem to go without saying at the moment. Um, and our friends Monza. 
even Lecce are doing moderately interesting things, but I'm mm-hmm. still not convinced there's actually enough there. Um, but then again, I've just rattled off at least four teams. So one of them's got to stay up. <laughs> yeah. Inter have lost the same number of games as Lecce this season. That's good, isn't it? And there's five then. So What? There's five teams who could all go down. <laughs> oh, you're going to include it. You've been very kind to Bologna. That's true. Six. I would say Bologna are below, beneath Lecce at the moment. Um, I'm happy that Sassuolo won. They they got a 93rd minute winner away at Torino. Now, this is a game that I, I, I like both of the teams in it. I like Sassuolo a little bit more. Um, but it was Agustin Alvarez who got the goal. That's the guy who came over from Peñarol in the summer. Um, Sassuolo are just going to keep doing this, aren't they? Yeah, you'd think so. Um, I, I was quite happy for him just on a sort of personal note because, you know, you make that move to Europe. That's very daunting. There was... I think it was around the 10 million either pound or euro mark. Um, and, you know, there's a lot that comes with that. He's had sort of limited minutes so far as well. So, I mean, that's a fantastic moment for him. And almost regardless of what happens now, he'll always have that anyway. So. True. All right. We are going to call it there, to be honest with you. Um, so, patrons, we will be speaking to you. Well, this will be out. Tuesday, women's football pod will be out on Wednesday. Patrons will be speaking to you throughout the international break, um, particularly after Italy's game against England as well. Non-patrons, we'll speak to you when men's Serie A returns after the international break. If you want content during it, total-italianfootball.com or patreon.com slash totalitalianfootball or preferably both of those things would be very, very nice. We will speak to you very, very soon. You and say goodbye. Goodbye. And that was a good one, and it's goodbye from me. Enjoy the international break, listeners. Let's go.